0: Thanks you for thanks for joining me on this debut episode here on Elevation Radio Network. Honored to have my guest for today's episode, Pastor John Stallings out of Conyers, Georgia. He's co-pastor of Life Church and you can also check out his great website johnstallings.com. And he's also a great photographer and has a great YouTube channel as well that you could check out. Pastor John, how are you doing today? Doing great, William. Uh, glad to be here. Well, the pleasure's all mine. We've been following each other on social media for years and I think this may be the first time we've ever spoken, so I'm excited to have you on. When the show came up, I was like, i got to talk to Pastor John.
1: you got to get yeah, him on. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be here, glad to actually speak with you. My wife always looked at me funny for years when I told her I have Internet friends, and so it's nice to actually actually have an actual conversation with you.
0: Yeah, something, something more than 140 characters on Twitter or Facebook. It's <laughs> always a great thing. But the whole purpose of this show, Pastor John, is to talk with pastors and ministers about their callings. Um, and so that's why I wanted to have you on. And before we get into your calling, um, can you tell us a little bit about how how maybe you came into the faith, um, what that journey was like?
1: Well, it's kind of a strange journey, but uh, I grew up in church all my life. Um, grew up in a my growing up attending a Presbyterian church okay. and I always went to church. I'm one of those people I can't tell you a day or time that I was saved, I can tell you different hallmarks in my life of when I was really impacted by God's spirit with my life was additionally transformed and changed. But I've always been the church. But of course, my faith journey is with most anybody, I guess it has its peaks and valleys. And I wasn't always as dedicated to, you know, the faith as I wanted to be. But always I really felt a close connection to Christ and wanted to be, do what all I could do to live for Him, of course. And it was probably around in my teenage years when I actually felt the call to the ministry. And of course, I did not take the, the normal route for that. But for the, but there again, but just simply by faith journey has always, you know, I was blessed with parents who took me to church and I was blessed to grow up with a great church. Uh, I lost my dad when I was 11. And so my church really became my family. I had close friends uh, who allowed me to come and hang out at their house and spend time with them. And that all helped nurture and guide my, uh, my faith walk. Okay.
0: Great. You you mentioned that you felt the call to ministry when you were a
1: teenager. What what was that like? What was that sense that you had? Well, you know, there again, when we talk about getting senses from God, sometimes those are hard to describe if you haven't experienced that. Right. But we, uh, in the high school years, we would attend our denomination, the Presbyterian Church, had a missions conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, every February. It was just like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we would always go up every year. And I think it was the Saturday night service, if I remember correctly. I don't know, it was during that service, I just really felt a strong impression um, and that I was called in the ministry to be a pastor. And that's just a strong sense. And I remember, you know, share, we, we have a, a debrief afterwards with all the teenagers we were sitting around with our church group. And i shared that with them. And I just remember, you know, weeping and just overwhelmed and overcome by the spirits moving my heart. And there again, it didn't take a normal track for me. Then, you know, I wasn't the best student in high school. Bible college seminary wasn't in the cards for me right after um, after high school, that normal track that you would think a pastor would take. Mm -hmm. And it was very much so. I was always involved in ministry from that time on, though, whether it was within children's ministry, Sunday school, uh, everything from ushering, <laughs> even in a mega church, I worked security, ran a print shop, doing whatever I could do to find my hands to stay busy. And then finally, God would open the doors for me to move into pastoral ministry eventually down the road.
0: And I, th- and I think that's important, Pastor John, is, you know, I guess I guess a lot of people that I've talked to in the past, when they get this, calling to ministry. They think that, you know, they're going to become a pastor right away, but you mentioned all these other things that you've, that you've done before you got to that point. How important were those steps though, into developing to where you are now?
1: Uh, it, It was crucial. And to be honest with you, I wish I would have had a pastor sit down with me when I was that teenager and said, look, you need to find something to do now. You need to be busy. You need to be, whatever it is. And so, you know, I didn't know how the pastor role was going to happen. I believe that was in my heart that God would open that up, but it really shaped me because I know what it was like to, you know, like I said, teach a two second grade class. When me and my wife were dating, we were keeping two year olds on a Wednesday night nursery, I've, you know? And so now I'm a bivocational pastor, which means I work a full-time job. I'm pastoring a small church. And so there are sometimes, you know, just a few weeks ago, we had a, a broken toilet in the bathroom. I was in there before church, mopping the floor. So I've shaped myself where I don't, I don't define being a pastor as you, what you would think traditionally would be that role. And and God's given me a a non-traditional. I'm a a white pastor of a predominantly African American church. Uh, a lot of older people. A lot of grandmothers raising their grandkids. We're ministering in a, uh, we're a suburb of Atlanta, but I would describe us as being pre-urban. And Mm -hmm. so we have a lot of uh, low-income families. We have a partner with a food bank for a food ministry that we do. And so it's really given me a heart to see beyond really a heart for people. Uh, We're very much outreach focused and really try to build that in our congregation that it's not just a church program, but how are you a minister on your job, in your families, out in your community, and not just what we do here on Sundays or what we do as a church program or church event? But all those things really gave me a heart for people, and really gave me a thing because there was a time I went through. I was remember I was a church administrator several years ago for a church, and I walked into church one Sunday, and I kind of had to make sure everything was in place. You know, the nursery workers were there. Everything was set up, ready to go for the service. The sound team was there just kind of overview to make sure all the operational things. And I walked by somebody in the hallway before service and I didn't even greet them. And God really convicted me of that. He said, John, he said, these people, whatever you've got to do will happen or is important, but that person's more important. And, and because of these little jobs and those little things, I've really had a, it's just broken my heart for people and I want to see them changed and transformed. And I know that can be sound like a cliche. Sometimes we say we want to see people transformed, but that really is my heart right. to see people come and, and grow in their faith. And so all these other things that you've
0: done prepared you for that. It's like, God was working on you, obviously, during this whole time, showing you what he wanted you to do. So. What was that, when that moment, I guess, when it was time for you to become a pastor, how did that come about after doing all these other ministerial jobs?
1: Well, I was working as a church administrator, and uh, my senior pastor came and, and suggested that I get licensed through our denomination. We have a, a process of licensing through a part of the Foursquare denomination, and so he suggested that I begin to do that. And so I did that and began to became a, you know, assistant pastor there at the church was, well, I guess I was the executive pastor since I was the church administrator, moved in that role. And I had a little bit more of a pastoral role uh, leading small groups and, and things like that. But uh, it really, and I was, be honest with you, I was happy being an associate pastor, you know, at that point in my life, I didn't really necessarily say, I got to be pastor of church, leading the church, whatever. And of all things, my wife came to me one day and she said, John, I think we're supposed to plant a church. Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. (laughs) You know,
0: it's a lot of work. Oh, it is.
1: It's It's a huge amount of work. And, um, and you'll, you'll may enjoy this, but I actually, you know, and I was, I was struggling with God with this. You know, I just didn't sense it. I was, or I guess I sensed it, but in my flesh, I didn't want to do it you know, just because I've seen others that had tried to plant churches and how that went kind of thing. So <laughs> believe it or not, I went out to a, uh, I'm about, uh, our church is about 10 minutes from a Benedictine monastery. And I went out there and sat underneath the tree. And I said, you know, God, I said, you know, it seems like if we're going to plant a church, I'd have a name for the church. I just kind of threw that out there right there. And God says, okay, here's the name for the church. And uh, wow. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so we see how this is going to go. And so yes, we planted a church. Uh, it did not. It we we did about three, four years, and um, it just it was. We were there again, very outreach minded, but it unfortunately it just got to be more, more and more. of The outreaches were just me and my wife, and so we knew that was not going to be sustainable for us or for the ministry. And then, so we made the choice to close the church. And the church that we're at now, a young pastor had just taken over. And so our district supervisor asked if we would come and help him. And I always joked that we were going to be his uh, token old pastors (laughs) and to come along him. And so we came out here and was helping uh, the pastor at the time. And eight months later, he resigned and they brought another pastor in And Janice and I decided that we were going to take a sabbatical, take some time off, rest. And when we did that, the pastor that was here now he resigned. So um, (laughs) we were next in line at that point. They were actually going to close the church, and Janice and I just couldn't let them do that, or didn't want them to do that. So uh, we said that we would take the church, and so we became the four senior pastors in five years for the church. So that had done a number on the congregation, you know, makeup up that kind of thing. And we also had to do, they had a very much a culture of the church of the pastor did everything. And so it's been a major culture shift and, you know, but now we've been here pastoring for um, a little over eight years now.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, great. And so now you mentioned a little bit ago that the Foursquare church has this, a process to get licensed and, I mean, no disrespect when I say this, I grew up next to a four square church and I remember driving by it when I was seven, you know, the the, the game four square was very popular
1: Uh and I was like, oh,
0: that's great. We should go there Uh, because, (laughs) uh, but anyway, I just thought that was a funny aside when I was like seven years old.
1: Well, it is even like in Georgia, there's not a lot of four square churches. So when I tell them four square, they just kind of look at me like, what is that? You know? And so. I just say oh. we're very similar to the Assemblies of God. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And most of our congregation, a lot of them are, have a Southern Baptist. They don't even have a Pentecostal background. They've got a Southern Baptist background or other church background. So we're very much a mixture in our congregation and how we approach ministry. Right. But
0: what, what's the process like of going through the licensing process in the Foursquare square
1: church? Um, so what it is, so since I did not have a Bible degree, Um, I started off uh, with what's referred to as our district license. They've actually got a a license below that now that's more just for people that probably aren't going to become senior pastors, that kind of thing. But I started off as a district license. So I go through a process. There's an application, of course, the background check. Um, I had to get the referral, of course, from my senior pastor and from all these other um, uh, pastors another references, I guess, if you will. And then there was a series of several months as I was assigned a coach and I would meet with that licensing coach for several months. And then at the end of that, there was a a panel uh, where a panel of four or five people, and they go through several different questions covering the church polity, covering basics of faith, theology, those type things. And so that was in order to get my, what's referred to as my district license so i'm pretty much honored within our district to be a pastor to be a minister and then after two years of that uh, as everything goes well i'm then go to a next level which is referred to as our international licensing and then another two years after that was when i was actually ordained so it's about okay. a six years from district to ordination if I had had a Bible degree, I would have been able to start at the international level. Uh, so it's at least a four-year process at a minimum to get wow. ordination. Okay. Uh, so they just don't just because you got the degree, they don't automatically what they refer to as ordained you. That is, it's a process of getting to know you, making sure this is where you need to be, and that Absolutely. you're operating in your calling to what you should be doing.
0: There's there's great wisdom in that. That's that's good to hear. That's great. That's great wisdom in that. Now, you, you mentioned a moment ago as well, Pastor John, that you're a bivo- you're a bivocational pastor. So you have a job outside of the church as well, so you can pay the bills and, and all that. What it what is you for those that maybe aren't aware of that what is obviously that's unique in its own right. But what other challenges does being a bivocas- bivocational pastor bring along to the ministry?
1: Uh... Well, really for us is, you know, and, you know, in Channis we've done this for a while, so we've learned it. But for me, I've had to, and really even full-time pastors should learn this too, is learn the word no and how, Mm -hmm. what a beautiful word that is. And that so that we have to be very, as I like to use, proactive, intentional, or use the word tenacious about the things that we're going to do as a ministry. So we have to focus. So we want to do only a few things. We're not going to try to be everything to everybody. We're not going to, people come all the time and say, John, we got this great idea for this ministry. And I'm like, well, that's a great idea, but we can't do that. We don't have the people. We don't have the resources and we're, we can do more being narrowly focused on what we are. So the challenge is that is that we have to stay focused at the things that we do. We have to make sure that we're doing the things that or the right things, that we stay focused on that. And we have to make sure that we're not getting too wide. Um, another thing is we have to be master delegators. And we have to, tr- once we delegate, we have to trust the person to do it. And, I've, and this has been hard for, a struggle for me. I have to be okay if they don't do it John's way. You know, I can guide right. them, I can suggest it, but at some point I've got to let it go and let them handle it, and let them take care of it, and, you know, God's blessed us with some very trustful, we are very (laughs) leadership heavy, if you will, which is a good thing, Uh, but we've had to learn to that, and that's part of our ministry, is part of mine and my wife's goal, is that ultimately we want our congregation to discover how they're a minister in, in all their life, and how they can discover their giftings and so there again that means sometimes we let people do a call to worship on a sunday morning and we're not always 100 percent sure what they're going to say you know when we let other when i let other leaders preach i don't tell them what to preach i have to trust in that they're going to hear from god and if we have to meet and do a debrief afterwards we can do that but it's very much we have to delegate as much as we can and they're going to be very tenacious and focused. On what we can do as our church, as a ministry, and do those things well.
0: What is the hardest thing about being a pastor? <laughs> and I and I, ask, and I ask this to everyone.
1: Yeah. Uh, and of course, it always the, the hardest thing is, um, gosh, I can tell you several hard things. Um, one are is when people are hurting and, and I can't fix it. Oh yeah. And, um, that's, that's difficult. And, and, um, is, I don't know how, you know, last year we lost our associate pastor who was my right arm, my best friend, and he passed from a stroke and that was, a, you know, and, I was talking to a friend of mine in the congregation just the other day, I was meeting with him and, and his wife still serves, you know, as our children's pastor. And when you see her each week, he's like, I don't know what to say to her because we're coming up on the one year mark. And, and, you know, when she's got eight kids that she's caring for, they had adopted nephews and nieces and had their own and they were blended and, um, so it's there again, when you don't have all those answers as a pastor and, and then I'll throw in one more. I know you only asked for one, but no, I never knew, I never can follow directions. <laughs> so is another thing is that it's hard sometimes when you, when, when you have, there are occasion that you have people that are disruptive to the ministry and, and how do you deal with that? for the sake of the congregation, but also deal with them as as best as you can, as long as you can to try to still salvage that relationship and ultimately for them to find the healing they need so that they're no longer disruptive, that they're lashing out for whatever that reason, because sometimes we see the symptoms of people when they act out and, and fail to realize there's something underlying that. And and it's not always easy, and we haven't always been able to get at that underlying reason of that angst or that, that anger they have, that hurt, those wounds. And th- those are difficult things to uh, to have to go through.
0: Now, I want to flip it around a little bit. What do you love most about being a pastor?
1: Uh, I love, you know, <laughs> sorry if I start crying here, William. No, it's uh, Okay. But I, uh, I really love seeing the people, you know, coming into their own. And there's a lady, and she actually does a women's Bible study on Thursday morning. She's actually had to go out of town uh, this week. But she came to Life Church, and, and she had some wounds and hurts, had gone through a divorce and things. And she was just real, real quiet and shy and kind of things. And then... We were pre-COVID. We would go door to door through a couple of our local neighborhoods and we would take our kids, whole families, and we go and we just knock on doors. Hey, I'm with Life Church. Can we pray for you? And we weren't trying to get members. We weren't talking about church and all that stuff. It was just praying for people. And and I would say, I told her, I said, hey, come, you know, come hang out with us. Just go with us. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to knock any doors. Just go out with us. And she went and it wasn't long before she was knocking on doors. And anyway, she uh, and just to watch her that goes from like, oh, oh, there's no way I would ever talk to a stranger, pray for anybody. And um, she works at a local Walmart as a cashier and she's got dozens of stories where it, you know how Walmarts are almost always busy. Right. Where she's got dozens of stories where there's only one person in her lane. And she winds up praying for him. That's awesome. Right there at Walmart. And, and now she heads up, helps heads up our women's ministry, teaches a women's Bible study on Thursday mornings. and and, seeing, and she's just one story, but seeing how people, how they come and really understand what a life with Christ is and what they can do as a minister in their own right. And it's neat to sit back and kind of get the big overview picture of their progress, of their growth. So that's one of the best things that I love about the ministry.
0: Great. Now you're a co-pastor of Life Church. Can you tell us a little about your (laughs) co-pastor?
1: All right. Well, (laughs) so yes, we do believe in that women can be pastors. I know that's a very controversial subject. Uh, Our denomination was started by a woman. So there's that's in our DNA, so to speak. And so when we took on this role, the district, Came and asked my wife to be the senior pastor. Uh, she will always tell you we are co-pastors, uh, but she is the. She has a, sometimes she has a. I like I tend to rush into things, <laughs> and like I said, sometimes when you have those little people that are a little rough around the edges, she gets me to slow down.
0: Keep each other out.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know. Uh, I, I really love preaching. Uh, she preaches and she's, and she's growing into that more, but that's just, that's, and she'll say that's not my thing. I'll, I will preach cause I'm the pastor, but she doesn't feel called to preach. And so I preach, you know, usually, usually I preach two Sundays out of the month. She'll do one. And then we usually have another pastor or one of our elders come in and preach cause there again, we're grooming them. We have an associate pastor now that we're grooming that someday will probably be a senior pastor. So we're kind of giving her some experience and exposing her to all different areas of the ministry and letting her preach more. But uh, my wife, Janice, does a lot. Of the course, the ad, there's always the admin stuff that we have to do that we do. But she, again, she's the senior pastor. And so there, there are occasions where she and I do not agree and, and usually will defer one to the other. And I'll try to defer to her more because there, again, God has placed her as a senior pastor. Sure. You know, we can talk headship and, yes, I'm the head of my household and all that still in place, I promise you. So, uh, but so we, but we relate is that we see each other as, as ministers and. And that we work together and a lot of times somebody will come up and say they'll say something to Janice. She's like, well, let me go ask John. Let me go talk to him about it. And I'll do the same thing if they come to me, if it's something that we need to make a decision, that we'll do that as a group, as a person. And there are certain situations where, you know, she's more gifted in other certain areas or my areas. And so we'll defer to those type events or those type things that we're doing one to the other based on our own giftings and talents.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't have you mention... Mention
1: her since I since
0: you know <laughs> I've since I read about that uh, yesterday, so I just wanted to make sure we yep. gave her her due yes. as well. Well, uh, <laughs> I
1: appreciate that, and she would appreciate that. So, I, like I said, I, I get that's a controversial subject um, with female pastors, and uh, that could be a conversation for another day. But <laughs> you know, what one of the chaplains I worked for when I was a chaplain assistant in the army,
0: uh, she well, obviously female chaplain but one of the most, I, I would, and we're still friends to this day. She actually performed the wedding ceremony for my wife and I, a higher a holder in great esteem, high regard. And so, it, you know, it is what it is. Yes. Like you said, it can be controversial, but I w- we'll just leave it there. Cause I know. Yeah. You know, some, well, like Some, you said, people, I, I some people
1: go bonkers over it. So, yeah, but <laughs> you know, I also see the fruit of, you know, how how many times we've needed that that mother touch in our church and and that gifting and that special role and the definitely and i would even say the anointing uh we definitely see the fruit of that we can't deny that sure so one
0: one last well maybe one of the last questions where do you see your ministry going forward
1: from here Well, there again, as you know, I don't know. I mean, there again, as the church that I don't, Janus, I have no desire for going somewhere else. So I mean, definitely here at the church. Um, I still would love, although I'm getting up there in age, I would still love for the day to come where I could be full time here um, and, and dedicate more to that. But really, I'm hoping to see more of uh, just continuing what we're doing as in in our outreaches and, I said, we're able to partner with a food bank on Wednesdays and we give out 500 boxes of food a week. And we're able to facilitate that here in the area, but really just to grow the church and have a greater impact in our community. Uh, my heart is always to be the church that when the, the county needs something, the city needs something, uh, call Life Church. They can help us out with that. Uh, I would love to be that resource more and more for the community. We're hoping. Uh, I would love to get more involved or get involved in the schools. That's something that's been on our heart for several years now to uh, adopt a school or at least adopt a classroom.
0: Okay.
1: And that's something we just haven't been able to do just yet. Uh, just with resource wise, but that's kind of the thing that's in our heart next is to hopefully move in that area.
0: Hey, Pastor John, this will be the last question. I promise. And I thank you for your time. <laughs> What, what would you say to someone who maybe feels that call to ministry, but they're kind of hesitant if it's for them or not?
1: Uh, I think there again, you know, there again, since my, my walk is very different or non-traditional through ministry sure. is to just find, you know, a good Bible believing church and just to get involved wherever you can. And it may mean you have to try some things out to find where your giftings are. And, what, and then also if you can find a good pastor or someone you can talk to to begin that discussion and, and maybe coach you through that and how do you walk through, you know, what does that look like? What would ministry look like for you? And walk through those things of uh, preparation. So be involved in ministry wherever you are is, is number one. And then number two is to uh, study, study, study. Mm -hmm. you know, read books on not just on pastoral ministry, but good Bible study, good Bible learning books, uh, something that's going to take you deep in God's word. And then most of all, of course, is focus heavily on your own personal life, spiritual life, Uh, your personal study of God's word, your personal time of prayer and worship. And that becomes your hallmark, because I think sometimes we get ministry in the wrong place, as in we make that the thing where we forget that it's our passion for Jesus and our passion to love Him and to worship Him, and that ministry flows out of that passion. And so let that be the foundation of